Two sisters lived on separate sides of the states. One in NYC and the other LA. They both moved to Chicago and decided to stay. Now here's their playful podcast packed with Kid Lit Parlay. Children's books. Are they really that great? Talking children's books is with Kate and Hughes Eight. Children's books. Why, what, and how? Hughes Eight and Kate will break it down for you now. Hey, Betsy. Hey, Kate. Since this is our Halloween episode, Ooh. I thought I would start us off with a little tiny poem that I wrote just to get us in the mood. Um, okay. In the, in the it's Halloween. a poetry reading. Well, it's just a little one. Okay. Okay. If you're in the mood for a Halloween book, then listen here. Take a look. We've read The Wolves in the Walls and Room on the Broom, Creepy Carrots and Millions of Cats, even The Widow's Broom, from Vyorst to Sendek and the Tally Pose Galdone, to Charlotte Zolotow and Alvin Schwartz and Grover with John Stone. <laughs> Today we add our 26th Halloween book to date, so get ready and listen to Fuse 8 and Kate. Oh, that's nice. And you managed to work in John Stone, the author of The Monster at the End of This Book, which almost, I think I'm fair in saying, no one has ever rhymed in a poem before, so oh, okay. you are the first. Thank you. Well done. Well done. Good poem. Good thank, poem. Thank all you. Around. Uh, but you've already name-checked it, but we might as well say it again. Oh, what is the name of this podcast? Fuse Aiden Kate. Uh, yes, and what creepy stuff do we do on this podcast? We judge them. We judge their souls <laughs> and damn them to hell. Uh, or go that far. Well, no, maybe not. <laughs> or, or maybe we like them quite a lot because they're good. Yes. Yeah. yeah, you know, it goes either way. Uh, we didn't say our names. I'm Betsy. I'm Kate. There you go. And uh, this week... I uh, apologize to the person who suggested this because it was brilliant and I really should have written down your name. Uh, I apologize very, very much. However, this was a brilliant suggestion. This is a good Halloween book, but it is also what comes after Halloween. November 1st. Yes, which is... The Wednesday. Wow. Okay. (laughs) Is it it a Uh, holiday? It is a holiday. It's the Day of the Dead. It's All Souls Day. It's... November 1st, man. Oh. The day after Halloween. Uh, and I will be getting out the book now. So here we go. Just a minute. Bye. I, 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 I didn't finish it. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. So we asked a good point. Just a minute. A trickster's tale and counting book. That's right. And I will say uh, her name. It is by Juji Morales. Oh. Um, who was very, very nice when I used to mispronounce her name. <laughs> All the freaking time in front of her. And uh, yes, so yeah, Judy Morales, she's uh, now, not, not when this book came out, but now she's a you know Caldecott honoree and fun stuff like that. But this was my first encounter uh, with her and her style and her art. And uh, I feel like I'm going to be learning things. I don't know that you, do you know how well, to count? Wait, do you know how to count? Well, I just learned. If you, le- if you I do just not le- know how to count, then yes, you may learn something. Well, and I just learned that this is November 1st. That's true. So That's already. True. I will also be fact checking that fact when you're out of the room to make sure I was correct when I said that. 
I'm 99% certain <laughs> I was correct about that, but okay. I am actually going to check that. So. Uh, okay. Okay, cool. Right. In the meantime, I'll go read that book. All right. While Kate does her read, let's get some background information on just a minute. I often do so much background information on the creators of these books. It's kind of nice when I manage somehow to stumble across the actual story behind a book. So uh, I should say that some 10 years ago in 2013, Juana Martinez-Neal, who would later go on to win her own Caldecott on her or two, I don't remember how many she has at this point, to be perfectly frank, Uh, but she interviewed Juji Morales. And in the course of the interview, she asked her, would you tell me about your first experience as an author-illustrator? How did it happen? Who gave you that chance? So she says, I decided to take a night class to learn to illustrate picture books. And our instructor's first assignment was to come up with a concept story, alphabet, or counting book that we would use to create illustrations. Because the class was for illustrating, our teacher didn't want us to spend a lot of time writing, so he gave us a week to bring the story and some sketches. With no time to spare, I decided to do a counting book, but what to count? And who would do the counting? I would always love the traditional folk tales from my country. I especially love those where ordinary folks defeat great enemies, like death. So taking inspiration from the Mexican tradition and having counting and death in mind, I wrote my story about a grandmother who wakes up one morning to find a skeleton waiting for her at the door. Soon after, having written the story and created a dummy with sketches, I learned that the SCBWI, which is the Society of Children's Book Writers and Illustrators, was offering a grant to help inspiring illustrators like me, and I decided to submit my story and my illustrations. And I won! Winning the grant gave me the courage to submit my story to publishers, and I received numerous responses from editors, most of them telling me that they really like my work, but they thought that a book for children about death and with a skeleton as one of the main characters was way too scary for them to publish. It took them more than a year of me submitting to find not one, but two brave publishers who became interested in my book idea. After some negotiations and changes in my story to make it less scary, I was told, Chronicle Books became the publisher of my book, Just a Minute, a trickster tale and counting book, uh, who came to win numerous mentions and awards in which I am happy to report seems not to have scared any children so far. Hola. Hola, how you doing? So, I read a book and I have questions. Okay, why don't you uh, lay those questions on me, buddy? So many questions. So many questions. Uh, Number one, okay, well, we meet Grandma Beetle. Mm -hmm. Why is she Grandma Beetle and not Abuela Beetle? Do they ever say that she is her grandkids' Abuela? No. Okay, interesting. Yeah. Well, remember, this came out 20 years ago, so um, American publishers were probably like, too many Spanish words, we can't, kids' brains will explode, so. Well, she opens the door to Senor Calavera. Mm -hmm, That's true. Who is a skeleton. He is. Who wears a hat and a watch. Yes. But no pants. My question is, yeah, he's just a skeleton. He's just a skeleton, yeah. And And I wondered, does she know him? Or did he introduce himself? And if he introduced himself, how did he say Calavera with no tongue? Yeah, well, that's the problem with all skeletons, isn't it? Like, uh, I remember when I was a kid and I used to watch Owl TV from Canada. And there was a talking skeleton on the show called Bonaparte, who was an actual skeleton who they just moved the mouth for. But... Yeah, the whole tongue part just makes it so hard yeah. for any skeleton to make it be known. Well, you still kind of need a throat for that. I mean, he's literally just got, like, you know, he'd just be doing Morse code with his teeth. Yeah, he doesn't have 
lungs either, so I guess no, the tongue doesn't really matter. <laughs> it doesn't, there's a lot of, he does seem to have eyeballs, though. So He yeah. does have eyeballs. Which is an interesting uh, Which inclusion. I like because the pupils are illustrated as flowers. Which I is, like those very which much. Which is pretty. Yeah. yeah. Senor Calavera, he tips his hat, and he says, the time has come for you to come with me. Yep. And she's like, okay, sure thing, not a problem. I just have to do this one, I just have to clean this one house. Mm-hmm. This one house needs to be swept. And he's like, well, I got time, not yep. a problem. He's seen holding a glass with a straw and like a liquid inside <laughs> of it. Good luck with all that one. <laughs> and I was thinking, why did she give him something to drink if he doesn't have a stomach or anything? But then I realized, oh, to make it take longer to clean the house. Ah, there you go. There you go. Then she's got to clean up. It doesn't show him trying to drink it at all. It, it's just showing him holding it. I see. So but he just wanted something to hold. behind him are three portraits of kids mm-hmm. on the wall behind him. Just keep this in mind. Okay. So then she's like, okay, I'm ready to go. I just have to boil two pots of tea real quick. Yeah, it's just a quick thing. So, right, dose. Two steaming pots of tea. He counts. It's a lot of tea. And he's like, all right, let's go to the door. Let's get out of here. It's like uh, one, two, three. Here we go. Well, speaking of three, uh, Ah. she says, oh, I, I just have three pounds of corn to make into tortillas. <laughs> and uh, he it says he rolls his eyes. Again, I mm-hmm. love that the pupils are flowers that they are, are very cool. rolling back into his it head. It does but take the scary aspect kind of out, out of it. It does yeah. because you would think it should be empty eye sockets. It should be. And yet. And yet we are Because he has an empty that. nose socket. He does, which is all not quite flower Base, but it kind of looks a little flowery. But yeah, it's got decorations on. It's the got top. little decorations. Yeah, kind of like a Day of the Dead all, skeleton. Exactly. Yeah. All throughout him, he's got pretty decorations, yeah. like flowers and mm-hmm. whatever. But little hearts. Yeah. yeah. But again, I'm wondering why he, it's I, not. I am funny. It is funny that he does not insist on any of this. He's like, well, what am I gonna do? Tortillas have to be made. You yeah, know? He, it's he, like it's out of my hands. It says he had to be very patient sometimes. Yes. So. Yeah, I love that. Sometimes death has to be very patient. <laughs> And now we're up to four, and she says, I'll be with you right away. I just need to slice four fruits. Mm-hmm. And then it says quattro. Um, but I'm looking at these fruits that she is chopping down. Okay. I don't I, know what that look, is. I'm going to guess that's a watermelon, because you can kind yeah, of see the rind the and the inside of the like fruit, yeah, right, in okay. the seeds. But next to it, it is huge. Is that a papaya? It, that's huge. I don't know what that is. Yeah, I mentioned really it's huge. It's quite huge. Yeah, <laughs> it's very huge. But uh, she's got this fruit that she's got to slice, and he's looking at his watch like you know he's got a Get train to catch. To go, people to kill. <laughs> Which then kind of made me wonder because it it says that he frowned. This was taking more time than he had expected, and I'm thinking, does he have? A boss that he's worried he's going to get in trouble with is his boss, the Grim Reaper. I don't know. I would think he would be the boss. He's the he's death itself. So there is he would no, be the Grim Reaper. It does right? not introduce him as death. He is Senior Calavera. He's Mr. Bones, but still, uh, even so, I think he's supposed to be. Or you're thinking he has like a someone. I think he has has someone higher up. He reports to, and he's in trouble. He's like, look, I I got like four other deaths today. As death itself, but because there's so many folk tales about tricking death, but uh, yeah, maybe, maybe. But then when his name be Senor Death? What's the Spanish word for death? I did a quick Google search. Calavera means skull. So if he were. 
death when he would be Senor Muerte, I guess. Oh, yeah, Muerte. Yeah, he would be. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. Never yeah. mind. So I just thought that was interesting that I, I think he has a boss and he's, he's, got, like, he's yes. got a quota to meet right. and he's falling behind because yep. of grandma here. Yeah. And now Grandma Beetle says, just a minute, I'll go with you right away. I just have to melt these five cheeses. We have a close up of grandma of Senior Calavera and the cat and they are all crowding around this pan that has, it looks like very thick waffles, but... They're cheese. But they're cheese, yeah. They have some sort of waffle pattern on the top. Yeah. yeah. Senior Calavera says, Cinco, five melted cheeses. So I like how we keep going back and forth with mm-hmm. the English and the Spanish. Yeah. And then we're up to six, where Grandma Beetle says, I'll go with you right away. I just have six pots of food to cook. And at this point, she puts him to work. Yeah. All right? <laughs> it's She's like, like does she get him an apron? She gets him an apron. I love the dad, because we don't want any, like, stuff on your bones. So. <laughs> right. So she gets him an apron. She hands him a bowl with a hand mixer. Oh, a hand mixer. I and tells that. him to get to work. All and right. he's trying to figure out how to hold on to this uh, right. without <laughs> spilling flour all over mm-hmm. the place. She's baking all sorts of stuff in the oven. She's got stuff on the stove. She's a busy woman. She is. So now we're up to seven. She says, I'll be with you right away. I just have these seven pinatas to fill with candy. It's a lot of pinatas. And they are the most beautiful pinatas. And I wonder if there's a secret meaning behind why... The illustrator chose to illustrate a van, a butterfly, a turtle. Like, they are very specific. They are. I, If I had to guess, I'd say, but her son might have been too old by this point. But maybe maybe they were her son's favorite. You know, like the truck, for example, looks like something that he would have been. Or maybe they're toys that he had. It does feel like an in-joke in some way or, an, or a reference to something specific. Yeah. Yep. And have you ever tried to hit a pinata? Yes. I was You in... know how hard it is to open a pinata? Yes. So hard. Yes. I, yeah. was, I was in Guatemala. Mm-hmm. Uh, my friend, I was with her and her boyfriend at the time and his entire family who were from there and they're yelling to me in Spanish what to do and I have no idea what, to nope. what they're saying. Nope. <laughs> but it was so much fun. Like, I didn't need to understand Spanish yeah. to have fun. So just gotta whack the heck out of that thing. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so, right, the skeleton is eating a lollipop and yes. candy is being put in the pinatas and now we're up to eight. Uh, and... She says, I got these eight platters of food to arrange on the table. And at this point, it says, Senor Calavera could take no more. He, <laughs> he, has he lost count. Fit. Yes, he is stomping on the floor. Yeah, and little baby. And even the little flowers in his pupils kind of make it look like his eyes are closed, which yeah, is yeah, impossible yeah. Right, in yeah. eyeballs. But... Again, the illustrations very are very clever. Very clever. Cat is not a fan of uh, the stomping on the floor. Well, but... cats don't tend to be. Yeah. Right. <laughs> they're not huge, especially if it's someone bony. Yeah. But there's so much food on this table now. Yeah. So clearly she's planning something. And then we get to nine. Nueve. Nine mm. beautiful grandchildren came through the door. None of these kids seem to notice and or care that there is a giant skeleton. Human-sized skeleton. Well, I guess with, most skeletons are... That is walking and yeah. standing and moving. And wearing and, a hat. And, and a watch. Yes, and a watch <laughs> and feeling quite awkward at this and None of the kids are scared or anything. They all mm-hmm. just come tumbling into the room. Uh, they say hi to their grandma. They're heading towards the table because that's where all the food is. Um, and... 
she says, now all my guests are here and together they make 10. And the grandkids are like, they say, grandma. Mm. Uh, yeah, that's so interesting. huh? Where's guest number 10? And she says, he's right here. And of course, it's it's the skeleton. And all the he's... kids look at each other and are like, grandma's talking to nobody again. <laughs> well, I wondered at first if they couldn't see him. Yeah. But then at this point, they're clearly looking at him. Okay. And all he's right. very happy. He's like... You know, he puts, he takes off his hat. He's sitting in the chair that That's she's interesting offering. How she does a motion on him because he can't, his mouth pretty much does not move, but his eyebrows do. And so it really. His mouth moves. His mouth does move a little bit. Yeah. But, he, but, he does happy and sad. Yeah, and I guess you're right. Yeah. 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 Okay. And then, so she is now um, blowing out all of her candles and there's a lot of things going on here. Uh, number one, she made her own cake. Which, you know this because, one, obviously she made all the food, but on the cover of the book, she is icing the cake. Oh, I love it. She's icing her own cake. Well, it she, makes sense. She's probably the best cook in the family. So, probably. And yeah. there's no adults here. It's yeah. just the grandkids. Yeah. Number two, I tried counting how many candles were on the cake. Yeah. But the cake kind of runs off the page. And uh, all I can say is that she, she is over 72. Wow, well done. Yeah. Really? She drew every single one of uh -huh. those can Wow. Yeah, but that's all I could really count. Man, that's impressive. Uh, number three, as everyone is looking on with her blowing out the candles, uh, Senior Calavera is behind her, and he takes off his hat, and on his head is part of one of the pinatas, because what? all the kids have, like, parts of the pinatas on their heads. Oh, were there little hats in one of the pinatas? No, no, oh. they just, when they took apart the pinatas, he took off the top of the oh, round one and put it on top of his head. And this, and the one that's on the skull is kind of, it kind of looks like a flower, so it's... Oh, it's, true, yeah. Yeah. So after she blows out all the candles... Um, all the grandkids are saying goodbye to her um, because they're getting ready to leave. And that's when she announces that she's ready to go. But at mm -hmm. this point, she's she sees him walking out the door. You see like one bony little heel on the way out. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But while she's hugging all of her grandkids, those same three portraits from earlier yeah. now have different expressions. Interesting. So, so those are presumably her children. Who would now be grown, but those are pictures of them when they were kids, right? Well, on the in the back of the book, it says that she lives with her husband and her son and her cat. Well, Juju Morales does, but I, I meant um, that would be the grandmother's children. This is my current version. Well, theory, I yeah. just like that they're, the expressions of the kids in the portraits change from yeah, before cool. they looked very worried and now they're all smiling. Yeah. Which is... That's cool. Which that's is That's a cool, cool little detail. Yeah. yeah. So she's wondering where Senior Calavera is, but she only finds a note. And before I even turned the page, I was like, does the note say, see you next year? Yeah, I know. <laughs> Seriously, right, yeah. But the note says, um, I wouldn't miss your next birthday party for anything in the world. You can count on that. So essentially, yeah, I'll yeah, see you next year. It is, but it's also, I probably won't kill you because I like your parties, which is a bit of pressure. Right. On the party situation. Yeah. Like, you have a bad party, and it's like, well, I guess maybe we should get going. <laughs> like... But what's really strange to me, and my final question for the book, is why is there, like, a devil cherub flying next to the note? It's a real evil-looking baby with wings. Yeah. <laughs> well, there you go. There's a little bit of weird uh, Halloween-ness to the book right there. I guess it's 
I don't know what that is. It's a weird touch that comes out of nowhere, and that's the end. Be Goodbye. Boo-doo-boo-boo-boo. <laughs> All right. Well, this is kind of a classic type of folktale. Tricking death slash the devil is a, is a classic sort of uh, thing. This is probably the sweetest one I have ever seen in that it's just downright cute. Yeah. It is, yeah. So cute, in fact, that it, and it was a pretty big success. I could say this because five years later, she would produce Just In Case, a trickster tale and Spanish alphabet book, where I believe uh, that woman's husband is the one who has to... I don't remember if he tricks death or not, but he definitely does not go with death at the end. So, and Senor Calavera makes an appearance again. Huh. And uh, yeah, this was the very first Juji Morales book, which is insane because she's done so many good ones since then uh she's gone on to win many 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 awards she plays with like model work with some of hers and she, i've seen her do stuff with puppets and embroidery in her art and she likes to make you know mix things up when she makes a book which is great and uh yeah it's uh it's ratings time. Okay, I love that it's a bilingual counting book without shoving it in your face. Yeah. Um, I love how expressive the skeleton could be with his minimal features. I love that the grandma knew exactly what she was doing. Um, I wonder if someone had come to see her the previous year. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And if she was born on the Day of the Dead, she could just keep having awesome parties for another 50 years, easy, right? I mean, <laughs> easy. Yeah, she's got this all figured out by now. Again, I'm not quite sure why Abuela wasn't mentioned anywhere in the book or why there's that weird devil cherub at the end but <laughs> but i like the changing portraits and i like the fact that she makes him help her with the food yeah. like yeah. put on an apron and get to work kid i could see a parent or a teacher rereading this no problem i gave it a 6.75 oh very nice very good indeed yes that's pretty good I, uh, I like this very much. I do feel it is such an interesting product of its times. Um, these days, let's say that someone tried to publish this book today. They would put tons of back matter in the back with, uh, you know, information about the party or, you know, the Day of the Dead. Or here's how you can make your own pinata. Like they would have put like a uh -huh. bunch of stuff in the back. They would not have been afraid to use more Spanish. In fact, they would have been encouraged to use more Spanish terms throughout the book integrated with the text so that you would sort of go from the English, Spanish, and Spanish to English uh, more naturally. Um, but I think even with all that being said, I think it stands up very strong. I think it's the art, boy, it's insane to think this was her first picture book. She has such a natural feel for how a picture book is laid out. Her art has always been incredible. Um, in her picture book, Dreamers, her autobiographical picture book, she does talk about how when she came to America from Mexico and didn't speak any English, she spent all her days in the um, children's part portion of the library reading picture books with her kid. Um, and so clearly she picked up on, on how the form works. But all told, I think it's a good counting book. Uh, it's a good, like this time a year book. Uh, and her art is killer. I'm, I'm a seven on this one. Okay, so with our scores combined, it's over a five, so it's definitely a classic. Most definitely a classic. Hurrah! Yay! Hey. Letters time. Ooh. I, I'm going back. I'm going back to look at all these older letters that we never quite got to. All right. So let's go all the way back to the Philharmonic Gets Dressed. Okay. Okay. As you recall, 
the conductor lived in the Aeolian. And we were like, what's that a reference to? Yeah, it was like the wind or something. Right. Well, Rachel said, I believe Aeolian is one of the types of scales. There is Lindian, Mixolindian, and others, all with Greek names. And then she provided a Wikipedia page to look such things up. I, I'm going to take that as true because I have no knowledge. Sure. Sure. <laughs> Meanwhile, at one point, we sort of, uh, we had that theory as to why the book was, uh, it was something to do with tales. Um, in any case, Pipes and Kidlet said, my guess is that a suspender strap was hanging out the back of a performer's pants like a tail. And that's why tail is it was a, it was a dedication of the book. It was to it had the word tail in it or something. Oh yeah. And that's why tail is in quotes. It wasn't a real tail, which led to a discussion of the very various dressing styles of the other players, and hence you would get the book. So it's yeah. a, it's a good theory. Yeah. All right. Now let's go even further back. Let's go um, to that uh, boy. I can't even remember its title. The sex book. Uh, Where Babies Come From one. Yeah. Remember that one? Yeah. Oh, boy. It made a huge impression. <laughs> boy, did we love that book. Anyway, uh, Gilly Bar Hillel Simo said, this was the book on sex for kids in Israel when I was little. Oh. And then uh, they sent in a cover in Hebrew of oh. that book. So proving the point. <laughs> And finally, we're just going to go back. We're going to go all the way. We're going all the way back to when we did The Lonely Doll, my friend. Because uh, listener Bill Canterbury did the world's most disturbing recap of another book by Dare Wright. If you remember The Lonely Doll, it was a black and white photograph book of uh, where this doll had been posed around New York City. And then these two bears come to live with her. Um that was like one of the first episodes we did. One I of the fir- it was definitely the first cult classic. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, we yeah, ever yeah. Did. Well, he found an even stranger one. He said, uh, "You may remember her as the creator of the Lonely Doll." Well, apparently, it got weirder than that. <laughs> the Lonely One is another one of her books, and until uh, Bill broke it down, and I oh oh, I'm sorry, this was Bill Canterbury. So Bill broke it like down, and I'd never heard of it. And I was unable to get a... I was like, ooh, I should do that with Kate. That's a real you know, cult class. I was unable to even find it on interlibrary loan. Well, maybe so, next year for Halloween. Yeah, if have, I can find it. But it, it looks like this may be a very, very difficult to find book. But uh, if anyone has a copy of The Lonely One, which right there <laughs> is a horror title. <laughs> exactly. Mwah, chef's kiss. Beautiful. <laughs> Love it. Uh, we wouldn't say no if you wanted to send us one. So. Yeah. Because, you know, I'm just running out of place to put all those clown books people keep all sending right. me. Okay. All right. Grown-up things we like. So my last Halloween recommendation, mm-hmm. uh, I just finished reading this book called Hollow Kingdom by mm-hmm. Kira Jane Buxton. It is about a domesticated crow trying to save humans or what the crew, the crow calls humans, mofos, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. as they're called, from the zombie apocalypse. It is a different take on the zombie apocalypse. What happens to all the animals, like the domesticated and otherwise, if humans die out? That's not something that you really think about. Sure. Um, it's very funny. I do not recommend any child read it. Um, oh, no. There is a lot of swearing in it uh, and references that are not kid appropriate, but it's also heartwarming and heartbreaking. It it had, well, the penguinologist and I had a very long drive to and from Minneapolis, so we had both read part of the book and then we listened to the audiobook for the rest of it. And 
whether you choose to read it or listen to it, it's it's worth ingesting. All right. <laughs> However you want to do it. The audiobook, the narrator was very good at doing different voices for the different characters. Sometimes so. it comes all down to the narrator. You get a good narrator, that's great. But if you get a bad one, that can just ruin the book for you. Yeah, he can yeah. do a very good Scottish accent. Nice! That's a talent. He has to do a Highland cow, so he does it. <laughs> he does it as a Scot- with a Scottish accent. It's great. So, Sounds like an insult. Yeah. yeah, so I highly recommend Hollow Kingdom by Kira Jane Buxton. Wonderful. I actually have a seasonally appropriate grown-up thing as well. I know. It took me a while. It took <laughs> me all the way to Springfield, Illinois. Have you ever been to Springfield, Illinois, Kate? No. I went yesterday. So I had a conference to go to with, with two other uh, people from my library. Afterwards, we were walking around. We were trying to find some food. Uh, we found a cool vintage shop, and we found a cool uh, used bookstore. And then we found Beezle Buns. And uh, if you're thinking, Betsy, that sounds like a Satan-inspired bakery, you would be correct. What? I am not kidding you. There are pentagrams on the inside. Oh, like, and, like uh, Beelzebub. It's like Beelzebub, but it's Beelzebuns. <laughs> yeah. It had some wonderful Cornish pasties i think they're uh-huh, called yeah, and uh yeah. and uh, lots of types of pasties a whole slew of different types of pasties <laughs> and they had desserts uh-huh. and the occasional pentagram and uh <laughs> everyone was wearing black and uh it was very cheery very sweet little satanic bakery and i just remember being in there being like man and the right like it makes up stuff they could just come here they could find their honest to god an actual satanic bakery <laughs> so uh, if you find yourself in Springfield, Illinois, and and you have a and yen, you, uh, it's got a very prominent sign. Pizza buns with a Z. It's great. It's, uh, it's very clever. unique. It's very, it's very clever. unique. Yeah. All right. Well, finally, you know, there's a book that I've been sitting on for this podcast so long that uh, it is now uh, late with my library. We are doing it next week. I don't care. We are not doing any turkey, any Thanksgiving, nothing. We are giving ourselves a little break. We're gonna do some normal boring books for a while That's here. That's really selling next week. That's so boring. Listen in Your to the boring book next week. fall asleep. That is how boring that I am hoping oh, for. Oh man, I'm sure one. people yeah. can't wait. They will love it. It's actually, it's actually a book that I have been waiting years to do. Um, I'm so happy. I'm so happy it's 2023. There's so many books I can do now. It's great. Okay. So until I actually get to do this book, <laughs> I've been busy. I'm Kate. Bye. Fuse 8 and Kate is a Fuse Number 8 production. You can reach us at FuseKate8 at gmail.com. You can follow our podcast on Twitter at Fuse underscore Kate. You can follow us on Instagram, Threads, and Blue Sky at Fuse8Kate. That's Fuse Number 8 Kate. Listen to us on Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, or Player FM, or follow us on iTunes and rate our podcast if you're so inclined. Our music is by Haddon Kime, and our day of the Drews is Drew Atienza. Fuse 8 and Kate is a creation of Kate, Atienza, and Betsy Bird. <laughs>